When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The adulation for Brian Loudrop wasn't limited to the Rangers' support. The Scottish media had no choice but to lavish praise on a foreign import, the likes of which they had never seen before in their game. Saturday evening radio ran out of superlatives. In December, the Sunday Mail likened him to the best type of Power Ranger, which of course the number one toy at Christmas that year. And then later in the season, STV's Jim White delivered a line in a television interview on the prompting of his director to truncate the original question that created a lifetime of fawning sycophantic parody. The first part of the question is almost entirely forgotten, but provides a bit more context that makes more sense. What can you say to up-and-coming youngsters, Brian? Everyone wants to know about your appetite for the game and the skill factor. White started out before going on to finish by saying, How come you're so good? The ultimate softball, perhaps, but it rather summed up the general reception for a player who appeared to have arrived from space, but who, in his skill and grace, had hints of what Scotland felt it once used to provide, the skillful individual who played with carefree abandon. This week we'll be talking about Loudrop and other things, as we often do in 94-95. Good evening, Andrew. How are we? I'm good, man. Glad to be back on. Good stuff. And John, how are we doing? I'm doing well. Yes, let's get this one over with. That's the spirit. <laughs> like, it's a very introspective, uh, it will be a very introspective episode, and it's deliberately so. The amount of match reports, the amount of uh, opinion pieces, um, when I was doing the, the, the newspaper trawl um, around this time, are full of self-reflection, self-doubt, what is the point of Scottish football, um, this is this is garbage we're serving up. This can't continue, um, and it's it's highlighted by a couple of things we'll we'll, we'll talk about um, on the show tonight. Um, not everyone was a fan, of course. Uh, that's got that is Scottish football, of course. One letter 
to the Herald in January, asked if the media uh, could possibly water down their adulation of Brian Lowder just a little. This constant and extravagant eulogising of his talent simply focuses unwelcome attention on how our own low level of attainment, and we are already too well aware of our deficiencies in this area. The man is unquestionably gifted, but as he continues to prance and cavort amongst the ranks of the inept, let it be recognised that while his game may be on a higher plane, he is not from another planet. Um, his medals, his achievements before coming to govern may well be testament to achievement at a higher level. In fact, he would go on to win the Golden Ball in 1995, what became known as the FIFA Confederations Cup. Denmark defeated Argentina in the final. I did not know that. Um, but Andy, there's, there's, there's maybe a grain of truth in that kind of more um, curmudgeonly appraisal. Uh, Laudrup had already by this point turned down a, a move to Barcelona, effectively to replace his brother, and he did so without any consideration really um, he met Walter Smith at what's now the Crown Plaza uh, in Glasgow just on the banks of the Clyde um, Smith kind of amazed so you prefer to play against Falkirk on Tuesday night than go to Barcelona uh, absolutely he was kind of here for the easy life wasn't he so he was and he was and, and I've got to be careful that it's not my, my bias here but there is a bit of me that thinks that um, a lot of this chat both for Loudrop and the fact that it, in the Verticoms it's too easy for Rangers, what's mm-hmm. the point, was because it was Rangers that were benefiting for Loudrop and benefiting for the, the, the state of the league. Because I don't think we hear these kind of things when our brothers from the East are sitting mm-hmm. top of the league and players like Maravchik are mildly entertaining, you know, they get eulogised. So um, with Loudrop, you could level a lack of ambition for staying in Scotland when you've got Barcelona coming after you. But by the same token, if he wasn't doing it for Denmark, then that argument would be strengthened. Yeah, yeah. But he was, and he'd kind of done it before. He, I mean, folk forget that when he went to Germany as a youngster, he was the brightest thing in Europe and massive expectations. And you could argue he never fulfilled it, but eventually he did because he won a European Championship with Denmark. He, played a major part in AC Milan's run to the Champions League final and one of their best ever teams in their history. Um, and then, you, you know, the Confederation Cup, nuggets like that speak to a, a consistency against the top level that you can't really deny. So I think a lot of it was the fact that it was Rangers and it was Loudrop and the outwards the, the, looking in, you know, they, they knew it was unimpeachable, it was unarguable what a talent he was. And you always try to cut the legs for it because that's called... Well, indeed. I mean, in Brian's defence, he would always say that he was having football freedom for the first time in his life, and he loved it, and he, he wouldn't give that up. He he could be anywhere on the field he wished to be. He was given that kind of licence. John, as I said, not everyone was a fan. Um, the arch-critic of Ibrox, I don't think there was a bigger critic, um, even bigger than Jenny McNee at the time, than, than Ian Archer. Um, in one of his columns in December '94, he actually devoted most of the piece to praising Loudrop and it was great for Rangers, great for the Scottish game to, to see someone with this talent play week in, week out. But he finished with a very telling um, conclusion. Still, he said, it would be nice to see some hulking defender dump him in a heap before the season is finished. That's part of our game too. And it was part of the game, but I'm not sure just how comfortable the Scottish public were about the reality. I think that's starting to change now. There's an increasing insecurity about that. 
um, when you've got one of the most prominent football writers pretty much advocating violence as a way to, to match you know sporting artistry um, I think it's maybe one um, example of that deepening sense of, of insecurity and increase in isolation it reminded me a wee bit of what we'd get years later with Andy Gray and that famous you know messy could he cut it in a, a wet and wild windy night in, in, in Stoke um, and it's saying the same thing your skill level's all well and good but we have a culture and a climate that, that can bring you down to our level and then on December the 10th when Rangers went to Kilmarnock we, we even that glimmer of hope disappeared uh, Jim Trainer's uh, report the thing about these foreigners is this they're alright with their slick tricks and fancy skills when they have a bit of sunshine in a nice park wait till they get into Rugby Park on a dreary soaking December afternoon then we'll see we did too and what did we get? We got slick tricks and fancy skills. For so many years, we've managed to kid ourselves that the inadequacies of our own lot are as much down to the kind of weather and surfaces that they have to tackle in a typical Scottish winter. When we play summer football, things will be different. Ah, well, it was a comforting argument, but it holds as much water as the marvellous Kilmarnock pitch did on Saturday. Brian Loudrop splashed through it with wonderful control, breathtaking skill, and enough strength to last the day. This tension, we've talked about it in other shows, I think, before, John, between, you know, Brain and brawn, um, skill and, 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 and muscle. Um, and I thought it was just kind of perfectly distilled there with, with Archer's column and what happened at, at Rugby Park literally the next week. Yeah, I, I think it's the whole problem with Scottish football, even up until today. In many ways, but people confuse, what would you say, brawn with kicking people or a will to win with kicking people, when in fact it's, um, yeah, you have to have skill, but you have to have a bit of heart, but it doesn't mean that you go about trying to inflict physical damage on players of far superiority. Uh, and I don't think we've ever really got rid of that in Scottish football either, in terms of the players, or indeed in terms of how referees referee the game there is that sort of well just give them a kick and who was it I can't even read that many sort of low knees remember the fancy tricks was against Allo or something years later oh, and that Nathan Odoa uh, yeah. yeah he was a disgrace I, for I mean, doing it it was still there yeah, yeah it was a disgrace how can you do that and you're thinking yeah, that doesn't work. I mean, it, it just doesn't. But uh, and this is what I think is wrong with Scottish football. You, yeah, you got brawn. Uh, not brawn. No, you don't have to have brawn. You have to have a bit of heart. And Lydrup did have a bit of heart. Indeed, most of the successful, skillful players had a will to win. Yeah, who wanted to do it to go out. And they also but, needed to know. Mean, they, also, yeah. they also knew that they had to ride the tackles he knew exactly what he was going to come up against and only very very rarely would you see Loudrop lose his rag at a, a, a challenge he would dust himself down and and just take it because as David talked about last week he's over six foot and he's built you, you forget just how well Loudrop was built but they're prepared to put up with that but take on or meet, meet that with their own you know seemingly space age um, technique. I had a, I don't know. I'm interested in both of your recollections here um, about this mid '90s. Scottish football seemed on the couch at this time. Um, I had a vague recollection that it was like this. I had no idea just how many 
opinion pieces there were, how many match reports there were um, that just were so introspective and so self-critical. Um, do you remember it being as um, as acute as that, that, that Loudrop, and we'll talk about one other thing in a moment, that, that really shone a light on to these inadequacies and why aren't we producing players like this anymore whether us, Andy? I do. Um, it speaks to what I was talking about earlier on about the fact that I think folk are fed up with Rangers being so dominant. There's a name, a title for a programme for you, good, Martin, but there was a that, that was what was annoying people, I think, underneath. So you had a lot of opinion pieces and, you know, there weren't many French Rangers within that. But beyond that, you know, the, the national team was going backwards. Um, most of the best players we had were foreigners in the league. Loudrop was obviously leading the way there. Rangers, by and large, were looking, you know, across the continent as opposed to inward in terms of um, talent. And, and the thing is, Charlie Muller, when we're talking about talent coming through in Scotland, I'm trying to, I'm racking my brains here of, of who was the, the golden talent at that point in terms of youth, Scottish youth, and it was Charlie Muller. Mm. And I can't really think of anybody else. I mean, Ian Jess was a bit more Yeah, Ian Jess had a dreadful season. He, he was he was really toiling. Who else have you got? Andy McLaren, oh, maybe, at, at, at Dundee United. Andy McLaren. Uh, but he was a whippet. I mean, he was just, he was just very quick. Neil McCann's probably too young at Dundee at this point in time. Yeah, I don't even know if he was really at old. Dundee. I mean, Duncan Ferguson. Yeah, Duncan, well, of course. Duncan Ferguson, Charlie Murray are the only two notable ones that I can think of that were at that time you looked as being, you know, potentially being Scotland greats, if you wanted to put it that way. So, aye, there was a lot of introspection. The product wasn't good. Even us as a top team, you know, we'll hear the word turgid in this episode, I'm sure, a few times. It wasn't it wasn't conducive to um, a bright outlook. John, your your recollections on this uh, self-analysis? Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I kind of switched off in that a lot. I forgot a lot about this season, I've got to be honest. But there was a... There wasn't even a disguised jealousy. Uh, Andy was right. Then you, you have the the proof of the, shall we say, the last 10 years in terms of is one team dominating Scottish football, good or bad for Scottish football. And in the mid-90s, uh, we were bad for Scottish football. Uh, and we, we were the cause of everybody else being absolutely awful uh, and on all levels. And it, it's not a lot happening. It's, I think, almost that Loudrop appearing makes it even worse. Because yeah. if everybody's the same, then it's like, uh, but the fact is, you get this guy when you look at you know how Rangers and all their injuries just wins the league on his own playing 
what would appear to be out of your skin, but nobody plays out of your skin every week, but just mm. being able to shine, you know, bring pleasure. I mean, this is the only thing you remember. And he, but nobody would, he got praised, but it was kind of, as you say, half-hearted, kind of, it's because everybody else is awful. And Scottish football is in a really bad place at this point. Uh, you know, I always thought that it was Cavalier Celts this season, and actually they are dreadful. Oh my word! Uh, how they, how they beat us twice and took more points mm. off us than them, I have no idea. They they are the best defence in the league, but they are the lowest scorers in the league, and they go a period. I was looking up just before the players on New Year's Day, eleven games with eight draws and three defeats. They are dreadful. And I always thought Tommy Burns, Cavalier, and Tilt. Everybody else is awful. Generally, apart from, I'd say, Motherwell. Motherwell, a bright spot. Isn't it? Do you think like that's a release? Decent. Yeah. A release from else. Tommy McLean's grip, do you think? Alex McLeish I, being a. I think it's also big, big McLeish. I think that there is that sort of being released to go out and play football. Uh, but I think actually McLeish is a decent manager. Mm. This is, I think, he's probably his first appointment. Yeah, he's player manager. But all the usual suspects are dreadful. Hearts are near. I mean, you look at the league table at the end up, the United yeah. get down. Aberdeen, if we'd done the business, would have went down instead. Um, hearts aren't that great. I mean, it. The only reason Falker aren't above Celtic in the, the league is because Celtic takes seven points off us. Mm. It really is. It, there is nothing there, as you say. Scottish national team's not great. I mean, we win the league in a canter, despite, I think we would all say, probably the poorest season at this point in terms of, you know, excitement. Uh, there's no Cups. There's no Europe. Get a striker, and yet we're the top scorer. We, sorry, we don't have a striker for long, long periods, period, yeah. and yet we. But, I, mean, I mean, but we we, are, we all remember. I think the only thing we all remember this season is Brian. Yeah, and he misses and two truly magnificent. He misses two league games, one for international duty. So. Again, well, the, the the narrative around Rangers had kind of fallen to bits and, you know, run into the ground. He just, he does look superhuman um, compared to the opposition and, and even compared to his, uh, his his teammates because he just, he's always there. And you're, you're right, John, he might be, he might put in a six or a seven, but he'll do something that will change the game. He's He seems always involved in goals. Um, yeah, and and he, yeah, and and I think that that letter to the Herald, someone that lived in Aaron actually, um, was like, can you just stop getting on about him because he's making us feel worse. He's, he's shining <laughs> that that light on to to what the other thing that was making us feel worse, perhaps, um, was this increase in live television. The Champions League now a fixture, um, and the greatest league in the world on a Sunday, um. Not England, it was Italy. England wanted to be, um, but Manchester United's 4-0 humiliation in Barcelona in the Champions League in November was maybe a reminder that, that they weren't there in terms of quality, but in terms of drama, entertainment, they, they, they maybe were, you know. Um, two seasons now of, of this kind of saturated cover, uh, coverage, um, Scottish football fans, whether they were enjoying the live Sky stuff or the, the revitalised highlights package match of the day on, on, on BBC on a Saturday night, 
they struggled not to be drawn into this weekly soap opera. Um, it too had a reawakened sleeping giant, of course, in Manchester United, and as its dominant force. But unlike Rangers, United had some genuine competition. So the Glory Hunters could root for Fergie's boys or everyone else get behind some of the exciting challenges, whether that's Keegan's Newcastle United or Kenny Douglas's Blackburn Rovers. But it was becoming impossible to stay ambivalent, especially when that season turned on its axis on the evening of Wednesday 25th of January 1995, when Eric Cantona launched himself into the Crystal Palace port with that outstretched leg. Uh, that event, the subsequent ban, provided a huge twist on a, and a brilliant title race. It went right down to the wire, right down to the final day. Uh, and we saw United briefly knocked off their perch by Dalglish. And Scotland, they lacked the drama, the characters and the quality. Rangers beat Hearts 1-0 at Ibrox on the 21st of January with no strikers. And after a pretty poor performance really, one match report opened up with Stop the Nonsense Now. Just tell Rangers they can keep the Premier Division Championship trophy, but let's hold the ball for a minute. Someone has to take stock of what exactly is going on in our game. Frankly, it's become so one-sided, it's embarrassing. Nothing, absolutely nothing, any other team can come up with will prevent Rangers from winning their seventh successive title. And the piece ended by saying Rangers supporters might enjoy winning the title all the time, but no one else will, and the game will suffer. Um, Andy... The impact of European football, whether or not on a Wednesday night or a Sunday afternoon from Channel 4, or this bombardment um, from the English package. Again, there's lots of their game that that resonate, that, that look a wee bit familiar. The pace, um, although it's not quite as quick as Scotland, it's still, at that point, quite up and at them. But Sky were selling something bigger. They were selling a drama. And... You know they had goodies and baddies, and, and they had players that were that were prepared to, to to kind of step into those roles, and it just looked like a, a different package altogether for 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 Scottish football fans as a whole, not just us. Aye, and, and to, to be honest, man, that may have been a lot of where, where the introspection was coming from because you know we, we the English league was never at our peers, but there was always a. A correlation of sorts, wasn't there? And, and certainly Rangers had, uh, as we've spoken about ad nauseum on this, this programme, 92, 93, around about then, we were, <clears throat> and before, we were the biggest club in Britain and considered ourselves rightly so. And it was not really until I started, you know, researching for the likes of this programme here that I, that I didn't realise how quickly they, they, they ran away from us because, as you see, that product was taking shape and taking shape really, really quickly. And it was reflected in transfer fees and already we can see we're getting left behind. I don't think we realised that at the time. I think we probably sensed that things were changing, but probably not at the pace that we can see now no, looking back retrospectively. And um, you're right, this, this, the Sky Revolution was in full flow. It was aided and abetted by, as you say, tremendous characters. I mean, Cantona's influence on what happened in the early years of the Premier League can never be understated. And also the, the, the resurgence of a powerhouse in Man United as well. Um, and we're kind of caught in a slipstream. And, and you know, that that might be, you might have hit something there that when we're looking at ourselves and thinking, you know, why why are we so rubbish? Why is the league so poor? Why do Rangers dominate without actually having to try a leg? And mm. now beamed into our, our, our living rooms more than once a week with this product that, you know, it was alluring. I used to go, I didn't have Sky at that time in my house as a kid. 
but we used to make a point of going up to my pals every Monday night for Monday night football. It was an, an event, and we'd sit and watch it, and we'd be glued to it. So, I the times were a changing. John, were you captivated by Blackburn Rovers and the SAS and all that that's, that that season? You must have been captivated by something, and presume you were watching football somewhere. I was watching a bit. Really, football fan. I said before, it's Rangers. I, I was, I was, I was struggling that season because I don't like Ferguson. I don't like Dalglish. So <laughs> it was one of those where I was hoping that Newcastle were going to come from somewhere. But it was unavoidable. It wasn't even watching it. It was, as you see, it was theatre. It was drama. It was all of these things that Scottish football wasn't. The, the guy, it might have been facetious. We're going to talk, actually, we've talked in previous episodes about either crises or a lot of glory and, you know, special things. There is a, more than an inevitability that we're winning this league um, from, okay, you might say d but we don't get to the bells and we've won it. There is no theatre, there is no drama, there is nothing, and there's not even... You get Motherwell, but they don't really, they're a good team, but they don't really have great players or players coming through young or whatever. There's just, there's a flatness, whereas in England, you do have Shearer turning on, Sutton's, you know, turning up. You've got the whole drama about, which I don't think any of us could understand. This is when Andy Cole goes from one title rival to another, and you're thinking, well, how can I, what, what is Keegan up to? You know, so there's there's so many subplots, and it's not the. You know, other people have really talked about it at this point. Mm-hmm. Who were the dominant team for the previous two decades? Everton have kind of disappeared as well. Who were the eighties team? Arsenal aren't really there. So there's a lot of freshness. Yeah, there is a bit of European football. I think for us, the problem is we were there two years before, and since then haven't been. And there is a. God, this was what raised the took away the purchasedness. Mm. But I mean, the, the Premier League it just is drama the way it's packaged in a way that you couldn't at this point package Scottish football because there is no old firm rivalry. Because, okay, they're doing it, but it's almost the equivalent of Hamilton putting us out of the Scottish Cup. They they are so far behind. They're coming. You can see it with the money they're raising, etc. But they are miles. You can't make an old firm rivalry. Suddenly the new firm have disappeared. The animosity between us and Aberdeen is there, but it's not really in terms of, apart from one-off games, there's nothing to say oh, this team could beat Rangers to the title. There is nobody anywhere saying, well, if they win this or what. And we're not putting together huge runs, we're putting together half-decent runs, but they're nothing special. Yet, in comparison to the rest of the league, it's not, whereas down south you've got a Cantona, Cole, going every day, almost Ferguson and Douglas and Keegan are generating headlines. And it just... Never mind if you're a football fan or not, it's just box office in many ways, in a way that we can. It's just there, isn't it? is this the season that the Tims don't have a church sponsor? Or is it Umbro or is that 
I'm good in my mind. The mid nineties, they 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 can't even get a shirt sponsor. It might have been one of the seasons before. Uh, I think it was the season before. Um, yeah, I think they've got one by now. But yeah, I do uh, that that week. I remember not not having a sponsor on it. Um, but right, obviously, so England, Serie A, we bit sometimes the Wednesday night. Uh, reminders that the Scottish football product is not. Um, what it could be, and, and for for many other than us, and maybe including us in certain cases, uh, dominance was leading to drudgery. How that dominance came about, this inevitability of a, of a seventh successive title, um, actually was anything but. The two one one draws against Hearts and Falkirk, and then Rangers did what they'd done so often in the past. They went on a winning streak that destroyed any kind of mirage of a title race. In the previous season, it was a seven-game stretch in February and March that took Rangers from level pegging to six points clear, and that was with only two points for a win. The introduction of three points for a win this season was designed to produce more entertainment and discourage sides from booking in for bed and breakfast when they visited grounds such as Ibrox. But when the champions got into a stride, it made the impact even more explosive. Rangers had a two-point advantage before struggling Aberdeen visited on Friday the 25th of November. By the time they left for Park on Hogmanay, the gap at the top was 10. The league was over before the Bells. Let's talk a wee bit about this run then, guys, um, because I think it is impressive. The Friday night, we played Aberdeen at Ibrox on the Friday night because Ibrox would be used on the Sunday for the, the Coca-Cola Cup final. Um, Rangers won 1-0, uh, Loudrop involved, of course, with the assist, um, but it was Ali McCoist who scored the goal. John, Ali's only goal of the season, I sometimes think we forget just how he struggled post-leg break for a couple of years, that famous Cup final winner notwithstanding. Yeah, okay. This has come as a big surprise to me. Uh, that the, the fact he's missed so much over these two years, uh, it just didn't register. Must have done at the time, but yeah, and he is a big miss for us. Uh, I think in terms of the energy he brings, I think he's a bigger team player than most of his colleagues. Mm. In terms of, I don't know what it is, but he's bringing it, and therefore. Yeah, it's just astonishing that we're talking about a, an Ali McCoy's career at Rangers and suddenly you find there's two years, and particularly this season, where he scores one goal. And he literally, he, he looks decent against Aberdeen, he looks decent for 40 minutes at, at Tannadice, and then that's him pretty much for the season. And it's, it, it's stunning. And you're looking... I mean, it just generally, when you look at the injuries we had, and I'm sure we've already done ad nauseum what our fitness regime was and whether it contributed or not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody's injured. Uh, yeah. I mean, you watch the end of season video around this time, and if a man's coming on, he's coming back from a three, four month yeah. break. And if he's getting taken off, he's about to never be seen again for four months. And there are lots of them. I mean, it is just unbelievable, and yet Ali's there, he beats Aberdeen. It's only 1-0 against a very poor Aberdeen, but it kicks off, and it just shows you what you... Oh, what did we win? Five games in the bounce? And that's us out of sight. Yeah. Uh, you know, other seasons we've had to put... Be a few eight, yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, this season is just one little nudge of an accelerator, see ya, and everybody's like, oh, where did they go? Yeah. And it literally is... 
Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, the next game was Sunday the 4th of December, live on STV. Rangers travelled to Tanadice, where Ivan Golic had promised the media that a 4-0 hammering awaited them. Didn't quite turn out like that. This is Loudrop. Nice first touch from McCoy's to Jury. Houses in the middle. McCoy's arriving. Loudrop's here as well. Still it's Loudrop. Great skills again by him. Oh, marvellous goal by Loudrop. Fantastic skills from Loudrop. Stepping away from two defenders and sending an unstoppable shot past Callum O'Hanlon. The free kick to Rangers taken by Durant. Well, Bully's well forward. This is Houstra. Oh, magnificent goal by Peter Houstra. He strikes again after 52 minutes. And another splendid solo goal. Played off by Bowman. No doubt that uh, with Rangers' nearest challengers both drawing yesterday, and they're doing themselves in the championship hopes a lot of good here this afternoon. That's played through now for Ian Durant. Oh, magnificent! A great pass by Loudrop, and Ian Durant makes it Dundee United nil, Rangers three. Another delightful pass from Loudrop. Durant running through and picking his spot. Uh, Andy, this was fun. This season hasn't produced many. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All-round team performances. Brian Loudrop was doing it seemingly every week. But in terms of a Rangers 11 that just clicked, uh, this was as maybe as, as, as good as the performance at Hamden against Celtic in, in, in the November, uh, or the October. Um, Loudrop's first was just him in a nutshell. I think he starts the move, actually, before being able to receive the ball over on that, that um, left-hand side of the box. He's twisting two players inside out. He curls it past a few more bodies. Um, Hustra gets the second, but it's Loudrop again with just a perfectly weighted pass right onto Durant's feet, and you know that's him underlying his return to the Rangers fold. Um, one Dundee United player had kind of confided in a journalist at the time, uh, I wish he would shut up, all he's doing is making his job harder, <laughs> Walter Smith won't need to wind Rangers up, or Gaffer has done it for him. Um, and, you know, that Golak shtick was, was maybe just starting to wear a bit thin. Uh, the Rangers fans certainly uh, made Golak very aware of what they thought of him and his predictions, and he would be gone by March. Uh, your memories of this day, because... It was a good one. So, Dundee Ray he still causes problems, particularly at Tannadice. So it was still a, you know, a potential banana skin, but if we start with the Loudrop goal, that's that my nephew doing. Nephew's 10 now, so maybe two years ago when he was 8, 9, starting to get into Rangers and serious. Um, I sat him down and gave him the Loudrop lecture and said, I'm going to show you Brian Loudrop. This is the best player that ever, I've ever seen play for Rangers. And that's the goal I started with. The first one I looked for was that goal because I don't know about you guys, but I was brought up watching snippets, you know, 
there wasn't all, all football, but you got snippets of continental football, and you seen the best players in the world like Platini score seemingly impossible goals, and it was goals like that. And I remember, I don't think I was at this game actually. I don't know why, but um, I think I watched this one on the TV, and I was utterly mesmerised by that goal, and and uh, watched it a hundred times after because it was it was just beautiful the way he takes it at the edge of the box, you know, a bit of, a bit of space, but not enough to really do much at that point. He, he goes the wrong way. He goes to the byline, yeah. takes two guys with him. So you think he's closing off angle to actually score a goal. But there's no allowed ability to change direction with the ball at his feet. It was utterly incredible. And he just sidesteps to the right. And it did, it, it, I mean, it hits it hard, but it's not a blast. But he just kind of passes it into the net off the ground. And it's such a beautiful goal. And it sums up his, um, this season. Just something extraordinary that nobody else in the league could even think of doing and um, the other two goals so was it was it Hustra scored the other one no. yeah Hustra, Hustra scored, scored the other one I remember as well yeah he kind of got underneath his feet a wee bit and then he just managed to ping it um, and it, for the, the amount of backlift he seemed to get it was a it was a pretty good strike um, and you know Walter did this at Parkhead uh, Parkhead sorry Hamden Park um, where he used both Loudrop and Hustra which is a, a wee bit Adventurous for for Walter Smith away from home, yeah. um, and he, he did that again um, at, at, at Tannadice as well. And um, die, so it was the ball was kind of bobbling about, and, and it's yeah, he, he did well to get the shot away, but it was struck beautifully. Yeah. John and then Duran, I mean, sorry, sorry, I was just going to say about that Duran goal. This is post ninety two where Duran's renaissance was complete, mm. um, but much like McCoyst, I was kind of doubts over him. You know, we'd seen the best of them. They were playing kind of camera roles, so a welcome goal to remind us all that he was still a player. John, did you look up from your paper to enjoy this game? <laughs> oh, no, you watch it, you just kind of remember it. I mean, this is... Yeah, we talk about the loud drop goal, but let's face it, we see these moves all season, all season long and love them. I mean, it is just... It is... Um, it's just sumptuous in a way that have we. Uh, I'm like Andy. I think he, at this point, and probably even until now, is the best player I've seen in a Rangers jersey. I just, you know, you're talking about how he can, you speed a movement for a six foot plus guy as big as he was. Again, that was stunning. He just had all of these attributes. And it was magnificent. I mean, when I walk, I mean, the weird thing, and I'm sorry to pick on him. So we're talking about Scottish football. Early on, we get a chance for Gordon Jury, and he traps the ball as mm. far as I can kick yeah, it. Yeah, there was. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then just after it in the highlights, you get louder sticking in, and that just captures the difference between, shall we say, Scottish football and the rest of the world because there seems to be. Charlie Miller, don't get me wrong, is a magnificent player in it. He is at that point where he's a really excellent talent and which way is he going to go? Because there's all sorts of pressures and how do people develop? But they're really, for the first time, there isn't any generation, any collective of Scottish youngsters coming through. doesn't mean they all make it or not make it. As we said before, there just is a dearth of talent and therefore if you're a half-decent player in Scotland, but you can shoot, hold a light against Loudrop and 
just is hitting form now for the first time since we signed him. Suddenly you're thinking, oh, this is brilliant. We've got this one guy will play wherever he likes. We get used to another side. We've suddenly got a bit of balance. We've got pace in the wings. We've got goals coming from you might call wingers. I don't think you could call Loudrop quintessentially a winger. It's just the. It's lovely. It was. I mean, I'm always more comfortable at Tannadice because of the early 80s when we could go up there and beat them when they were a decent team. But it was just after the Scottish Cup final and Golach, and it was just to shut them up. And it was just nice to hit a bit of form. Okay, we'd beat Celtic, don't get me wrong, but I mean, it wasn't as if we, were, we hit the heights after that. It was just turn up and beat this pub team. And suddenly we've done this and you know, we beat Aberdeen, then we beat Dundee United. Unfortunately, Ali is off injured. But it's beginning, and you just have this reassurance that, okay, it's December, January, February, run about the end, we're going to hit a bit of form, this is it. And we also have this guy who's worth turning up and paying admission for him alone, literally, for many, many games that season. Maybe a little bit like Cooper in the early 80s. Yeah, where I mean, you're going up and you're not seeing it, but he's on an, another level, I would argue. Sorry if there's people going to say about David Cooper, but no, Loudrop single-handedly wins this, wins a league for us this year. He is the difference between us and probably twenty points left. Yeah, fifteen easily. Well, the next game was his uh, ballet in the water uh, uh, at Kilmarnock Rangers one two one. Al McLaren. Uh, scored his first. He scored Rangers first uh, that that day. Uh, Loudrop actually missed a couple of sitters um, before he eventually did get his goal. Um, <laughs> nice quote from Richard Goff after that game. He said, a very special talent. Uh, there was I telling our lads to make sure we made no mistakes at the back, to be careful about their passing. Um, and he pads up and starts to run with the ball on that surface. He amazes me. Um, the captain was on the score sheet, uh, as well as Mark Haitley, um, striking early at home to Hibs on Boxing Day before the trip to Motherwell on the final day of the year. I mean, even pushing the definition of realistically, and they were the only side that could realistically stop Rangers, and McLeish's side needed a win to bring the gap down to four points, and you know they gave a good account of themselves that day, I was there, and they pulled the game level early in the second half, but still a long way short on a side, uh, or short, long way short of a side, on a mission to put that, that, that question to rest as early as they could. Um, Stuart McCall got his first goal of the season. He'd been getting a lot of stick for not scoring. He fancied himself that day, told his pals 28-1, to 1, get on it, and he did. Um, Lowdrop scored, I think, one of the oddest goals of his career to re-establish that, that lead very early, or very soon after, being pegged back. Um, his shot, not unlike the one at Tanadice from the other side, uh, hits the post, comes back and hits the goalkeeper Stevie Wood and into the net, and yet again... He turns creator, uh, just to be absolutely sure, feeding Jury with a perfect chance to finish the match and realistically the title. Um, a big game mentality, Andy. So Alex McLeish described Rangers afterwards, um, something that he, he admitted his side lacked. They the, the were the interest that season as a team outside of Loudrop, um, but they clearly, we see this in sport all the time. There's talent there, there's, there's up and coming energy, but when push comes to shove, you, you need the big boy pants, and there's only one one team that really owned those. No, my Motherwell came out of this season I mean, with tremendous credit. It goes a long way to seeing McLeish as the Rangers manager, you know, eventually, yeah. because he was doing something that was 
pretty extraordinary with, with a provincial team. Um, the the Kamarno game you speak of is is ingrained in my mem- memory because there's very few games at Rugby Park I go to that I don't remember that game because <laughs> just a, a super fact for these old folks, but the, where the buses park at Rugby Park, um, there's the river, and that river looks very much different to what it did that day because they've built flood protection walls there because we get back to our bus that well we went to go back to our bus after that game this is how bad the rain was and the buses had been moved because that entire area was flooded it was under like three four feet of water at points and during that game i mean we speak earlier on about the the curmudgeonly attitude towards scottish football and they kind of remain in doubt that loudrop is just doing it in scotland because he's playing against detritus but that day he proved, it was a kind of class, you can't hide class, that was basically what was the, the, the bottom line for that game, because the ball wasn't moving, people were trying to pass the ball on that pitch, and Kamarnock's pitch, as you remember then, was in the plastic horror show, that was, no, it was one of the best pitches in the league, consistently, it was a brilliant pitch, and the ball wasn't moving, but here was Loudrop, absolutely dripping wet, you know, to the point where you can probably see through the player's shorts, running with the ball just the same as he usually runs with the ball. It was absolutely astounding. And I remember at the game, because I was there with my dad, undercover, luckily. I think I was in the main stand. But basically, the, the comments that day was, how can he do that? How can he still run with the yeah. ball when other players can't pass it? It was utterly incredible. Because going back and, to the... Um, sorry, Andy, go back to the original um, topic of discussion... This is the big test for these kind of Johnny Foreign fancy dance. They, they, they shouldn't be able to do that when it's not a nice, bammy, mild spring afternoon or whatever. Uh, this is supposed to be the leveller, and it wasn't. No, and then and the slide tackles are flying in. Raymond Montgomery, good defender, liked a slide tackle. I remember things like that flying in in, the, in that away pitch. It was just gliding. It was, it was, it was otherworldly. And uh, so that was a that was a big win on a, a, a banana skin day because the, the the conditions could have went either way. He was the difference. And as I say, you've you've, you've summed up the Motherwell game pretty well. But am I right in saying that that day? So we didn't have many strikers and the likes of McCall's playing right back stuff like that. So it wasn't as if we were at, we were at full pelt. We're still a a fairly patchwork team at that point, if I recall. Yes, um, you recall. Correctly, we're going through a phase now. We'll come to the injuries in a minute, but um, we're, we're we're kind of out of. Uh... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty-four-seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. It was getting a bit silly in terms of the striker cover, but we knew that was a, a potential problem. Who played that day? Um, Loudrop played, McCall played, Goff, Bowley. Um, Hately did play. Uh, sorry, no, David Robertson Hately didn't play. Um, Moore, Jury, McLaren, Charlie Miller, uh, and... and Colin Scott playing goal, so Miller would be getting kind of moved up. Um, Jury would be getting kind of moved inside. He didn't really like playing the centre forward role. He, you know, quite enjoyed doing all his work on the uh, on the channel. But 
guess when Brian's there, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the season video, Stuart McCall mentions the importance of that. That win, as I said, 10 points clear on New Year's Eve um, game over. Uh, and he said because it was New Year's Eve, uh, you know, the celebrations carried on for a few days. Well, he wasn't joking. Um, Rangers played Celtic on the 4th of January. Um, a Celtic team who had just... They, they beat Falkirk in Hogmanay. Their first league win in 12. Um, as John's kind of mentioned, three defeats, eight draws before that. Rangers go in front, Ian Ferguson who just come back into the team scores from close range um, but Celtic equalise Paul Burns scored again against Rangers and again a very very good goal they could have won it, they should have won it they were the better team I think in the second half, Rangers were abominable um, starting to become maybe a little concerned uh, a little bit of a concern John Walter's record at home um, in the league anyway, that, that's two seasons without a, a victory um, against them, um, we were we were appalling that night actually. Yeah, uh, my recollection is we were worse than appalling. Even Brian, uh, even Brian was on the periphery doing nothing. Yeah, no, no, yeah, nobody was doing anything. Although if you watch our end of season video, it looks like in the second half we were all over them, which I really don't remember. Um, it was more I don't let them win. When it's I don't know if it, I don't think it was concerned per se. I mean, Walter's record at Ibrox against them to this point is dreadful. Yeah. I mean, one and six. No. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And maybe what, or maybe maybe two, but one of them was a neutral venue, shall we say? <laughs> oh, to, in, in the league, certainly. Um, in the league, he is one win in eight at home at this point against Celtic as manager. And yet. At Parkhead, or away from home, shall we say? Yeah. I mean, I think he only loses about one game um, from recollection to this point. I mean, we 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 own them, and I think that's why he gets a little bit of a part apart from winning the title every year. I mean, we have no, we are a generation of fans whereby generally going to their place was through the eighties a horror show waiting to happen in various ways and then suddenly we are just going there and turning them over with a regularity which is phenomenal I mean his record at Parkhead must be almost the opposite of what it is Ibrooks but you just want to stuff them because they aren't a good team I mean you go and this is where this whole mythology about the Cavaliers because they turn up like four times a year because we are the Okay, they get two cup finals this season, but this is the first time in a while. Generally, we are the only game they have. It is a really weird, but you know, we were dreadful that night. And when McCall said, you know, it being the new year, and this was played in a weird day, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah, we'll come to that. Because it was a Wednesday. I remember it yeah. was. Uh, we'll come to come to why in a moment because I, I, I'll, I'll keep that back. But it is poor. If Rangers going on the run, that just does the job is becoming consistent, then their next little trait is becoming quite familiar as well, which is an injury hit period of easing up once that hard work has been done. Andy Goron was injured playing for Scotland and Greece just before Christmas. He was rushed back. That ended in disaster at Fur Hill on the 7th of January. went down, wouldn't be seen again for the season. Um, he was replaced by Colin Scott and Ali Maxwell, and then later on by veteran goalkeeper Billy Thompson. 
McCoy's, you've mentioned uh, John suffered similar in, uh, injury setbacks at both at home and away to Dundee United. He wouldn't start a game post-December. And even last season's Warhorse, Mark Haitley, played only one game between Hugmany and April Fool's Day uh, because of, um, I quote, an untreatable deep-lying pelvic injury. I'll leave that there. This meant the Rangers played a couple of matches in January February without a recognised striker. I had to use Durian Loudrop. Um, centrally when they preferred maybe just to play um, a little wider. Uh, Charlie Miller and Neil Murray were sent out to do some kind of Rangers outreach programme stuff just before Christmas, speaking to, to school kids in the, the AstroTurf uh, across from the main stand. Uh, one young boy asked what it was like playing up front, uh, up front for Rangers. He said, I'm not playing up front, I'm playing in midfield. Uh, he may have been at the time, but it wouldn't be long before he too was was asked to do that shift in an unusual position for the remainder of the season. Um, yeah, Miller was um, very highly rated, and a Craig Moore as well. I mean, these are what eighteen and nineteen years of age, respectively, when the season began. We know Brian Lowdrop overshadows this season for 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 understandable reasons, but I think the contribution of those two, especially playing in a variety of positions, shouldn't be forgotten. Um, we haven't really produced, you know, that 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 ninety two ninety three crop that that showed something. Obviously, Gary McSwig and Stephen Presley, Neil Murray hadn't really kicked on. Murray still kind of clinging on to his his Ibrooks future. Um, but Miller and Moore, they're, they're popping up with goals as well. You know, Moore scored at at, at Pitodre early in the season. You forget just how young they were. So there was valid criticism around that time of the youth policy at Rangers, and by youth policy, I mean the actual not just playing them in the first team, but the, the production. There wasn't enough of them getting to the point where they could be considered for the first team. And Miller and, and Moore were the, the exception because Neil Murray's a good example. Um, he'd come through, played in the you know, 92 team. He never really struck me as being good enough to be a Rangers player long term. He was mm-hmm. a bit part player and, and I think what you see with him was what you got and he was never going to get any better, if that makes sense. Um, so he was a kind of underwhelming Breakthrough if that, that that sounds a bit cruel, but that's what I, I always viewed him as. Um, and McSwagan was much more the same. He mean great goal scorer in the reserve leagues and youth leagues, and and he came through and never really looked as if he was going to be credible enough to 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 be a a first team player with Rangers. But Moore and Miller were different. Miller there was a bit of mythology around him because you know you'd heard him spoken about in hushed terms about this boy we've got Charlie Miller, and he made his. Was it this year or the year before he made his debut? Probably last year. It was, it? It was, he, he made he, his debut he, at Pataudry. No, Smith threw him in the, the, the season before we lost 2-0 when Duncan Ferguson was... was, was um, he was getting criticism for playing Ferguson and Pately and he, he was chopping and changing and he, he chucked Miller in, who's only, what, 17 at this point. Um, and we get beat 2-0. And Smith got, took a lot of criticism that day for throwing Miller in um, in such a game. Um, but he... I mean, uh, Hately says in his book um, that Miller's the best player I've ever seen at that age, bearing in mind I'd worked with Paolo Maldini when he was 16, that shows how highly I rated Charlie um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe over the course of the next um, season's shows we'll, we'll maybe have a conversation about why Miller didn't quite develop, but um, yeah, there's, there's a lot there of There was a, a 30,000 pound fee to him for his mate's Rangers debut, there was stuff like that, and that's what I'm talking about in terms of mythology, it was, mm. it was something different and Moore came for the Australian Institute of Sport, or whatever it was called, and, and came with a, a kind of glowing reputation. 
Depois Fergona Memuras, he he did his hard yards under uh, Walters. I remember playing and playing right midfield at Park Heath one game. Played him. It was ninety three, and and he was quite an adaptable player. He played midfield. He plays a kind of holding midfielder, and, and but he was obviously a centre half. Played right back. Yeah, right. Back, so they two boys contributed this season a hundred percent, and especially when you consider that the. The injuries we had, they had to, there wasn't a bleeding in period, it wasn't as if you could come in and see how they could do and Which Smith, you know, take a chance because yeah. you knew you weren't going to lose it. They were coming in the games that they needed to win. And Smith was quite frustrated by that because ideally Charlie Miller would not be playing every week. Charlie Miller is playing every mm. week, which at that age, we know now and we still have players, you know, whipped um, and, and kind of run into the ground before they, they, they're ready. Um, but... Smith had no other option, and the boy was delivering. He, he was he was doing a job, and he had no other players um, to uh, from which to call upon. Uh, he did receive a couple of other reinforcements: um, Gary Bolin and uh, Alec Clellan coming for seven hundred and fifty grand, released from their contract hell at Dundee United. I think, I think Gary Bolin had taken uh, Dundee United to court over the, the the legality of Jim McLean's contract duration. Um, it's becoming a bit of a running joke in Scottish football. Uh, this provides Smith with a bit more defensive cover, but it's it's the blunt edge and attack guys that is the problem. In early '95, Rangers managed only four wins in the first three months of that year. One of those was a three-one win over Lower League Hamilton in the Scottish Cup third round. You get five draws, three league defeats. Incredibly, that did not only do no harm to the title challenge; the lead was actually increased by twelve points by the end of March. Uh, one of the wins was that one-nil win against Hearts we talked about earlier. The Charlie Miller goal very early on. Um, there was a comfortable 3-0 win at home to Kilmarnock on the 25th of February but the other win was a wee bit more notable. Rangers came from 2-1 down to beat Falkirk at Brockville on the 14th of January without Loudrop, who's in international duty, or Gorom, Goff, Bowley, Mikhailichenko, Haitley or McCoist and it was Peter Hustra who started the comeback with a fine goal, his second of the game and it was his last before moving to Japan, to um, Hiroshima at the end of the month and Stuart McCall who was available and ready to pounce in the final seconds to grab the win. Um, and John, show a wee bit of that old muscle memory and nerve to collect full points when, you know, even the maestro wasn't there. Um, we did have a lot of drama on the pitch in this season. Not a lot of late finishes to games. This might be the only one, I don't know. Um, but there, there was a bit of a throwback to, you know, that 92-93 team that, and David Robertson still speaks about this that, that this was really born in that semi-final at Hamden against Celtic um, that they would never panic um, and, and we quote this day quite often um, as even at 2-1 down they felt they would win but it was a bit of excitement for us No it was it was one of the better games that season uh, so it's apart from okay you, always, you can remember old firm games good or bad but I mean, there in Paradise, I would say were the two two standout games, and there weren't many standout games. Houston had a really good game, but he, he, he had a really good run around this point. Uh, generally, he was playing regularly on the team. I don't know where he country. He always seemed to be a player that Walter didn't trust. You know, if there was a big game, or he might not, he might be in the bench, or he might not even make the bench. Uh, if you because he's been there a number of years, but he's. I don't think Waller ever trust him, but at this point, so it's low just as he's hitting a bit of form, it's when he's leaving, but this is a really good game. Polka were a decent team at this point. They were no worse than many others. In fact, they were pretty much better than many others. I think they finished fifth that season. 
Um, Brockville was one of those old-fashioned type pitches where you know you get ten, fifteen thousand in, and there was a bit of noise. And it, yeah, it was just it brought a bit of excitement, which had probably been missing for quite a bit of the season. Either we were stuttering, or we were winning winning easily. And this was one of the games where we turn on a bit of style. We show a bit of the muscle memory, whatever you want to do. You know, you, it's a comeback win. And it's a comeback win, I would say, playing relatively well, given it's January at Brockville. And it's, yeah, you just give the title today and then that'll do us. We'll yeah. see you next season. Get when we get here. everybody fit, please. That's pretty much what everyone was saying. Um 16 drop points, though, in that time demonstrates, obviously, Rangers were not quite the well-oiled machine. That, but as you've mentioned, John, that, that paucity of the rest of the league ensured that we'd still be a, an unstoppable force over the course of the season. There were stumbles, of course. Uh, Aberdeen, who did sacked Willie Miller uh, by this point, replaced them with Roy Aitken. Uh, they started that new era by beating us 2-0 at Petaudry on the 12th of February. Oh, two points off the bottom of the league, Aberdeen were at the time. Very disappointing defeat, regardless of the you know the historical danger that that ground possessed. Um, Smith was furious. The Rangers had two excellent penalty claims turned down. Uh, referee Jim McCluskey conceded later in the week that he was wrong on both counts. Um, but Aberdeen, to be fair, they just, just did more about them. Uh, maybe more hunger, given their situation. As did Hearts at Tynecastle on the 18th of March, when they deservedly won 2-1, uh, Loudrop's goal that day, if it was anything but a consolation goal, um, or anything other than a consolation goal, we'd be talking about that, Andy, you'd be showing your nephew that one, it is a brilliant goal, but it it meant nothing, it just got Rangers kind of back into the game. Um, but it was Hearts' victory there uh, over Rangers a month previously that, that provided the biggest gut punch um, since August. Scottish Cup fourth round tight, played on the Monday evening live on Sky um, and sadly it had too much in common with the previous season's final Maxwell at fault for um, two of the Hearts goals before the break, the, the latter coming as a result of the uh, pass back to his feet where he panicked, he kind of picked it up, the, the free kick then led to a corner from which McPherson scored, Rangers responded well though we were level within a few minutes um, of the, the second half starting two quick goals, Loudrop and Jury and most expected the Rangers win but the old frailties returned, Jim Bett's shot from the edge of the box was accurate but I wouldn't say overly powerful and Maxwell could only parry out straight to the feet of John Robertson and a fourth on the breakaway simply rubbed it in. Um, John, first time in five years we'd have to make do with only the league title. Um, yeah, what, what a strange kind of game. Some, as I said, some old frailties there, and 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 some kind of renewed quality. It was a, it was an odd one. Yeah, it was. I, mean, I think when you get two down, and then you come back to all with this team. You think the worst you're getting is probably would go to a replay in those days, wouldn't it? It would be a replay. Yeah. I mean, psychologically, you're, you're there. Um, to lose late goals, I mean, that just doesn't happen to us in these kind of circumstances. Mm. I mean, when was the last cup fight, you know, having lost to Falkirk and then losing to this? I mean, this doesn't happen to us. And this feels the sort of flattest time. I mean, when we do time before that we only won one trophy, that would be when we signed eighty nine ninety. It was eighty nine ninety. Yeah, I just remember but, that that Monday night yeah, just so, feeling yeah. 
Oh. So even in those days, even in that sort of thing, we still had, and we could wind up the pins and more scored and all of that. And it was, but you still got a title you know, to it was win. A more exciting. You've got a title that that's still yeah. going down to April. You know what I mean? You, you, this is February, and I remember like, oh, well, this is us then. It's it's dark. Poker <laughs> Rockville, that's it. Give it hurts. Yeah, and this is a Hearts team who aren't that great. Yeah. I mean, you look at the league table because everybody assumes because we've been talking about Hearts being a decent team, Aberdeen being a decent team, but a league title this year or the league table. Hearts aren't that great. Aberdeen aren't that great. We should have relegated Aberdeen. Um, you know, Hearts finished with 43 points. Aberdeen have got 41 and then United 36. If we stuff Aberdeen as we should have done, we could have relegated them, which would have made the season even better. I mean, you don't want to laugh at other people's miseries, but, you know, a Willie Miller, Roy Aitken combo taking mm. them down would have been delightful. But I just... I don't know what was missing. I mean, you, I do remember the other game at Tynecastle driving back down the road because I was in England, and I was just mesmerised by Loudrop's goal that day, which I know we lost 2-1, but it was out of this world. Uh, but this game, you come back to two each, and you think, as I said, we aren't losing this now, because we don't until this point. If we get beat, we're usually well beat or... You know, it's a nothing game or a last-minute winner, usually for the Tims, that actually means nothing. We don't lose tight games against Scottish opposition. It just doesn't really happen. People might win 1-0, whatever. But you go the 2-0, I mean, the defence is all low. I mean, we talk about Maxwell, the defence is nowhere that night. Yeah, it's just poor. On anything. I mean, it's just generally poor. But it's two each. You know, Jury's scores, probably both of them. I don't know if Lauder probably wouldn't claim the first one. But... <laughs> oh, he was, <laughs> he, was, he was on the verge of, uh, of, I don't know who that was, an offside, to be honest. But um, aye, <laughs> it, 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 it seemed kind of in the, in the balance. Andy, I mean, I wasn't there. I don't know if you were. Um, and Tynecastle again, Davey, Alan and I spoke last week that the, the mid-90s just characterised by scaffolding. In football, and there's there's what <laughs> been done at, at, at all grounds, and we're going to get a bit of that Ibrox next season with the, with the corners and whatever. Um, but I, I think I watched it in, in, on the telly, and just this, it was a gut punch. You know, the the, the earlier stuff of the season was was it, it was hard to 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 take that week from hell. But it's August, still got a league title to to win. We, we expect to win it, but still needs to be done. Um, and, you know, another cup. You know, we've been in, what, three cup finals in a row, uh, Scottish cup finals in a row the season before where we weren't at the league championship, went down to the to, to the last day. I This is February the 20th and the season's over. And th- that, that just felt like a weird, weird sense of deflation. Probably because it was confirming maybe you that over the course of a league, we had enough to get by but we were always susceptible on a one-off game because, mm. you know, between injuries, form, and just the kind of lacklustre approach at times that we had, these things could happen. And it was demonstrating in the Champions League, League Cup and the Scottish Cup, we, we were found sorely lacking. Um, I, I, I don't have many recollections of this game. I've, I've got to be honest with you. Um, 
But yeah, it was deflating. I noticed in the end of season video that Watersmith talks around this time of, you know, it's a pity we didn't have Europe because everything's just bedding in now. Mm. In yeah. February, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah I, know, and, and, I know. I mean, we're recording this in September 2022 and we're talking about our team should have bedded in by now and, and lamenting that fact. I see February and he's saying that's just getting bedded in. Yeah. Jesus. So um, I, I think it just kind of summed up where we were at this season. We, we could be we could be great, but more often than not, we were somewhere in between, and we were really just getting by. Yeah, I think that's that's probably fair enough. I, I did watch the the whole games on on YouTube, um, and yeah, a disappointing night for us. A much needed excellent night, I guess, for the rest of Scottish football. Not not just in terms of the result. I don't think there'll be many non Rangers fans um, losing too much sleep over uh, Rangers being knocked out, but it was a real ding dong. Cup game. It was it was good fun entertainment and a season that wasn't exactly providing a lot of that. Um, and you know the the wider viewing public was becoming even more important. Um, more often at home, consuming their football at their convenience uh, as work and lifestyle patterns began to change. Um, and maybe this was a big significant factor behind that, that inward sense of self-doubt that we were talking about. And that, that New Year Old Firm game barely merited the traditional name, moved as it was at the behest of Sky to the 4th of January. Um, Sky only had two sports channels in those days, and Sky Sports 2 wasn't used all the time. So the North London derby took precedence over the Glasgow one, over that you know that traditional 2nd of January slot, and then both Manchester United v Coventry and QPR v Chelsea were felt to be more attractive to the broadcast on the 3rd. And this caused a lot of uproar. At the time, one prominent Rangers fan was concerned that um, the time may soon be upon us, whereby Rangers would be on live television up to eight times a season. Can you imagine? Um and but and amongst the hysteria of that that particular fanzine piece was a salient point that, that any local support many teams have left will be eaten into as kids identify more with the teams which appear regularly on TV. TV appearance money will concentrate in fewer hands, making it even more difficult for other clubs to compete. Now, what was happening internally in Scotland was replicated in the wider picture outside. Not only was television coverage highlighting the difference in quality and entertainment as a product, it was creating a difference in finance. Uh, Tommy Burns was beside himself with excitement as Celtic, boosted by uh, the upcoming share issue that would raise around £13 million, he managed to do a deal uh, for just over a million pounds for the Dutch striker Pierre van Hooydonk. This was in mid-January. In the same week, Manchester United spent £7 million on Andy Cole. Rangers had barely managed to spend that over five players that season and the prospect of, of even us, the country's biggest club, investing that kind of money in one asset, John, was unthinkable. Um, so in more ways than one, just over a year from Rangers breaking and, and holding that, that British transfer record, England was very much now a different league. I, I do remember as a what 14-year-old kid um, taking a, a back by the the the, the the coal transfer anyway because it was you know Newcastle selling to Manchester United what's going on but the money for one player we aren't doing that and this is this is just becoming it's becoming a different ballgame this episode is brought to you by Shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yeah, it's, I think Andy alluded to, and I don't think we, I certainly didn't realize at the time, but yeah, this is, everything is changing. Uh, I remember 7 million, you know, on the two things. Why would you let them go to a rival? But on the other hand, thinking seven million, who pays that for a player? Uh, in many ways, but uh, that was just the start. And yeah, the divergence between, shall we say, finances, quality, probably in Scottish football and English football. This is where it all gets. All is the divergent paths are going in very different directions. Um. Yeah. Quick word, Andy, or both of you actually. Um, the, the joke was Celtic were wanting a big name centre forward, and the, the, <laughs> what they, they didn't mean by the letter. Um, but you know, spending over a million quid on a player, they did done that previously, I think. Um, but the share issue and, and and that that revenue, obviously, a lot of it was was going to go on the much needed redevelopment. But I've asked this question before to you guys is now the time where you start thinking right they, they are kind of getting their, their shit together I, I think the, the obvious any fair minded person knew that things were changing at Parkhead because you could say what you wanted about Fergus McCann but there was a there was a plan whereas before there wasn't even a plan so you knew that they were so far behind because there wasn't even a plan of recovery they knew that they had that. Now, the share issue was obviously significant. I mean, it's significant nowadays when you think about your share issues recently, in recent years, for, for amongst fans. Mm. And um, it, was, it was going to give them an, um, uh, an injection. And Van Hoydong, I mean, it's the it? I don't think there was many people had heard of him. Um, but even the thought of them saying, it, I mean, he was six, what was he, six foot six, six yeah. foot seven? He was, was absolutely huge. Um, it came with a big reputation. Um, it was a kind of sign of intent because it was a different type of sign in this to what they did before. Burns' football obviously lent itself to a, um, a perception of, I mean, John mentioned Cavalier football. Their own. I think we knew it was going to be attacking football. So he knew that things were going to get harder for us because we've spoke, I don't know, in this very episode about just doing enough to get by. The reason they could do that and have poor results against Celtic, for example, because they were so bad. And there was often, you know, a, a, a kind of logical thought that if they could get their act together against the Diddy teams, for like a bit of phrase, that they would maybe have a shout. That's certainly what they were thinking amongst my Celtic sporting pals at school. That was the thought process. So I think we knew that we were going to have to up our game and things were changing across the city. Dermot Desmond underwrote that sheer issue. Now he put two... Two, three million of his own money in as well. John, can you remember that being a name that not quite struck fear, but at least raised awareness? I, I, I don't remember the name. What I do remember is a grudging respect for, and actually regret, uh, about McCannu, who was a bit of a ridiculous character, if you like, visually and also with that. The accent, mm-hmm, yeah, but it was a very unselfish. It was a very actual Rangers Calvinist approach of 
the five-year plan, I'm putting the money in, and in five years I will give you X, Y, and Z, and I'm off with, and I'm going to make a lot. I'm going to make money out of it. I would have much preferred if the the old board or a Tommy Burns-like character who were all emotional, all about Raselic and doing it that you know in a Celtic way, Celtic-minded, and all of this. I don't. I didn't like, and I think actually in many ways. They retained that for a number of years. Um, they they were like the Presbyterian bank manager, and it was a real capitalist approach. Which I kind of hope their fans would hound them out sooner because it wasn't a Celtic <laughs> man through and through. <laughs> but I mean, he, he, you look at what he said he was going to do, and you look at what happened, and then he he did everything. That, there was a respect that. And you are thinking they're getting money. You're seeing the rest of Scottish football is on the wane. So even by being less bad, they're going to be number two. Uh, is that obvious that it's going to happen? I think Burns gives us a degree of um, say, um, optimism, mm. in, in all honesty, because he's he's not pragmatic as you um you know, coined the phrase, uh, and we'll talk about it in a future cup semi final. But uh, it does, they've hit the bottom, and you know, they're coming up. And the worst thing I, I do recall when we get put out by Hearts in the Scottish Cup was they could win the Scottish Cup. Yeah. And the, the longer they went without winning a trophy, the better it is because it becomes a thing. And I really didn't want them to break their duck. And you knew that we would beat them in the cup. They maybe even then, actually, I would have fancied this. It would have been Hamden, wouldn't it? If they'd have drawn us at home, you couldn't really see anybody else beating them. I know Wraith Rovers had done it, but yeah, the, the chances of them getting to yeah. chances yeah. of them getting to a final against a lower league team again and, and, and messing up were, were, were pretty slim but yeah, um, yeah there, there was definitely a sense of oh okay but maybe we just needed to wait for, for that, that to happen and that's a future episode for any younger listeners um, for the record uh, I would dearly love um, to only win uh, a league title um, I'll, I'll take that um, to anyone that, that, that's offering um, if that's okay and uh, Listen, guys, I think we've we've done well there. Uh, thank you very much, John. Thank you. More enjoyable than expected, and yes, I think we would all accept seventh title in the row is a bit bland. <laughs> thank you, Andy. Yeah, I think it's it's important to cut through the the, the kind of downbeat approach that we maybe came to this episode with. We were watching Brian Loudrop. Yeah. you know, there's something in it. No, there there, there absolutely always was, but. I think we have captured what the time was like in Scottish football. I can't yeah. get, get over to you enough and over to listeners enough, sorry. Um, this this constant navel-gazing, this, this real <sighs> despondency and, and worry that what Loudrop represented was that something that, 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 that Scottish football certainly thought of itself as, as producing or used to be able to produce. And it had lost that. And perhaps somewhat poignant that as Scotland pondered its place in the game, its last true footballing artist decided to retire. 
David Cooper was, was never slow throughout the end of his career to complain about the, the kind of fare that was being dished up for the paying public. He often likened matches he just played in as war rather than sport, where skill and expression were subjugated by physicality and fear. Approaching 39, it was time now, whilst back at his first club, Clay Bank, to hang up his boots. My appetite hasn't gone, he said. I still love the game, but I'm not able to do the things I did before. It's time to make way for a younger player. Given that Cooper was about to start filming an STV football training series for kids called Shoot, a new chapter in his career was expected to open up. Positive news then, that this particular voice, whether through coaching or punditry, could still be heard in a national game that badly needed to listen to it. For it to be lost immediately wouldn't simply be a shame, it would be a tragedy. Until next week, bye for now. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.